All right, we're on the riches of royalty. The riches of royalty, and uh, this is kind of part two. I want to talk about the vision of royalty, the vision of royalty, as well as the riches of royalty. And just a couple verses to knit us again to royalty. One of the things that I was thinking about, too, is that how that Satan is constantly working to separate us from royalty. And I think even in our culture, as as we've seen a devolving of Christianity, actually globally, worldwide, we've seen a devolving of Christianity or Christianity's influence in culture. It's interesting, with that has come a devolving of society, I think, a devolving of dignity and honor. And I, I, I think it's one of the enemy's major ploys and schemes is to remove dignity from humans. There's a tremendous hatred of humanity and a jealousy over humanity and a plan, a ploy to remove honor, glory, dignity from humans and to, to uh, 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 move us into uh, spots or places or behavior or actions that are lacking of glory. Uh, I've got a verse on that, but we're not going to read it for the sake of time. But it's Romans 1.28. Because they didn't think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, God gave them over to a depraved mind. Now, that goes on and on uh, in that passage. And kind of the, the, in, the, the impression of that passage is that it's, it's acknowledging God that gives us stability of mind, but it's not just good thinking and stability of mind, but acknowledging God, walking with God, loving God, choosing God also is attached to a life of glory, a life that is fit with honor and with glory, with dignity, with worth, with, with esteem. And so all of that is interconnected. And I, I, I just want you to, I, I hope you're seeing and uh, running with this theme and thought that God in redemption brings us back into his glory, covers us with his glory, elevates us in humanity, and wants and causes and enables us to reign in life. Revelation 5, I want to read that. We read it last week, but I want to read it real quick. I'll give you a couple of these verses. They sung a new song. This is about Jesus. Thou art worthy to take the book, open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, King James, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. God's calling to us, every one of us, and you'll notice, he says, out of every kindred, tongue, tribe, and people, God's calling to all of us is a calling into royalty. Thank you. That's good preaching. God's calling for you is a calling of royalty. God has called you to reign on the earth. As a king, God has called you to reign on the earth. Yes. 
And they were excited about that, by the way. This is the vision that John was having. John was having a vision. The revelation is John was caught up in the spirit. He's seeing all of this stuff by vision. And he's saying that they're singing a new song. And they're singing about the worthy one. And the worthy one has enabled the saints to reign on the earth as kings and priests. Don't know if I'm in the right church. I, I might have I might have stopped at the wrong Valley Avenue spot. I don't I don't don't know what happened to me here. First Peter one eleven. This one's worth reading. First Peter Peter one eleven. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. Hello? Hello? As he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you... In these things which have now been announced to you through these who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. It's actually, it's actually okay if you're expecting glory to increase. Glory in the church, glory in your life, glory in the world. Fact is, the Bible says the whole earth, this thing is going to go on, until at some point the whole earth is going to be full of the knowledge of his glory. Full of the knowledge of his glory. And you're a glory bearer. You're a glory bearer, right? Second Corinthians 3 and 4 says that as we behold him... As we behold him with unveiled faces, as we behold his glory, we are transformed into the same likeness. As you behold his glory, as you behold that he is, he is the fountainhead of who you've become. He is the firstborn of the family you now belong to. The Bible says he's the firstborn of many brethren and sistren. We share his DNA. So the more you look at how he lived, how he lived, how he lived, what he did, who he is, who he was, what he accomplished, the more you look at it, the more you're transformed into that very glory, that very nature, that very likeness as you realize that's the beginning for me. He, the last Adam, began something that I'm a partaker of, and I share his DNA. Amen? Royalty. Royalty. We walk in royalty. I read to you Isaiah 61 last week uh, because it's just so cool. It talks about what God was launching through Jesus, and when we think about royalty, uh, we have to think about that Jesus was the ultimate. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, right? 
If we're kings, if we're priests, he's the king of us kings. Right? And he is the supreme one. He is the supreme one that we look to in terms of royalty. What does royalty do? How do we understand royalty? What is, what is, what is the behavior? What is the characteristic of royalty? Jesus is the one that we look at. And he stands up in Luke chapter 4. Luke records it. He stands up in the temple. He says, hand me the scroll of Isaiah. He turns it to what we know now to be Isaiah 61. And he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This is what royalty does. This is why the further you go up, the further you go up, the deeper you live. The further you go up. That's why when the monarchs, when the Brits, when, when the royalty of Britain who led the way in taking government and, be, and, and taking, taking government and taking royalty and putting that royalty on high places of leadership. This is why the highest place of leadership is called the prime minister. You've heard me talk about it before. Because the greatest servant is also the greatest leader. The greatest servant is the greatest leader. So as we think about royalty, we're embracing, we're embracing a vision that is bigger than my life. I'm embracing a vision that's bigger than my life. I am, I'm embracing the vision of Jesus. I'm embracing the vision of Jesus. I'm embracing a vision that is beyond me. What, what would you do that's beyond me, Jesus? As you're making me a king, as you've made me a priest, what would you do through me that would be beyond me? Because now I've been brought into, I've been brought into the royals. I've been brought into the monarchy. I've been brought into the supreme realm. I've been brought into a realm where I really don't need to think too much about me anymore. Actually, I want to get into a realm where I'm thinking about Everyone else more. Proclaiming good news to the poor. Binding up the brokenhearted. Proclaiming freedom to captives and release from darkness to prisoners. Proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. Did you know in the Lord every year is the year of his favor? All right, I want to move forward. I want to jump into uh, a couple thoughts that came out of last week. Uh, I developed a formula. I developed a formula for royal development and creativity. The formula for royal development and creativity starts with his provision because we are partakers of his provision. And we've been looking at Romans chapter 8, 14, 15, and 16 that we are joint heirs with Jesus. And then we looked at Philippians 4.19, that I can do all things through God who strengthens me. But then he goes on in verse 19 to say, 
that my God will supply all of your need according to his riches in and by and through Christ Jesus. So then it, it, it got me thinking, and I really believe that this is, this is such an appropriate time for us to be thinking bigger thoughts. I don't think that like this is a sermon series that we pulled out of the sky. I think that actually this is what God is wanting to say to the body of Christ right now is that he wants us to lift our sights. He wants us to lift our vision. He wants us to think higher thoughts, bigger thoughts, crazier thoughts, wilder thoughts, more amazing thoughts, because he's about to do amazing things. And he's, he's looking for a people who will believe these amazing things, who will just lift their sights a little bit, and not, not launch out in works, not launch out in busyness, not launch out in activity. But I believe that what he's given us, what he's saying to us, what he's calling us to, what he's been showing me and drawing us to, is that we would launch out first in petition. Just start asking for more. Start asking for more. Start asking to dig more wells in Africa. Start asking to build more orphanages. Start asking to build more houses in India. Start asking. Start asking to pay off your house. Start asking for more investments that really pay great dividends. Start asking for more people to sponsor. Start asking for more sustenance to give as you're running around and driving around and that you've just got a wallet with cash in it and that you literally can just distribute and bless and then and the word of the Lord is attached to your giving. Healing is attached to your giving. Kindness is attached to your giving. But we got to have the vision to start asking these things because we have to have a vision that's not attached to what we can afford. It's not attached to my budget. It's attached to his budget. It's attached to what he can afford. And I've begun to bring that by petition to the Lord. I'm bringing that to, petition, to the Lord in petition. This is not to be like some condemnation message. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't want us leaving here today like, oh man, yeah, I got to do more. No, no, no. I want you to leave here today saying, I got to pray more. John 16, I've got to pray more. I've got to pray more. I've got to ask for more. I really think sometimes we have not because we ask not, and we ask not because we haven't envisioned it. And here's, here's, here's kind of the formula uh, that I was working on. First, we have the king's provision. You're raised as a royal in the house. And then the king says, uh, would you like to take care of Scotland? Would you, would you like to solve some of our problems over here in, in this precinct, in this district? Would you, would you like to, would you like, here's your budget. What is it? Uh, it's unlimited. What? Here's your budget. Your budget. So first of all, we have the king's provision. Your life, your life, your future, your vision can be set according to the king's provision. So we start with the king's provision, right? And then we have royal vision. Because we have king's provision, then we have royal vision. 
The promise of provision from Father provokes and demands a grand vision, a greater vision. What will we do? What could we do if money was no problem? How many things do we turn down because we can't afford it? So what if you started writing down all the things you turn down because you can't afford it? What if you started writing down those things and then started bringing those to Father with petition and saying to Father, I want to be able to afford this. I want to be able to afford this. What if you, what if you don't, don't start moving in condemnation. Don't start moving in oh, discouragement. Just start taking the things that you can't afford They've been dreams in your heart. There, there, there's things that caught your attention. There's things you have seen or thought about it, and you've not been able to afford it. Start writing them down. Start writing them down. Start bringing them to Father. That's number three. King's provision, number two, royal vision. Number three, audacious petition. Audacious petition. Our prayers should reach into the resource of heaven. By the way, you can't bankrupt him. We should be asking Father for miracles that will take his answer to supply. Are you doing it? Are you doing it systematically? Are you doing it regularly? Are you doing it in an expansive way? Are you doing it for his glory? Are you doing it so much so that it stretches you? Number four, what's going to happen is you're going to start getting releases from heaven. Father's going to start honoring your petition, and you're going to start getting downloads and releases, prophetic rhema from heaven concerning these things that are built around royal vision. Let me give you a story. I'll give you a story. Uh, are you up for a story? Um, no, this isn't a story. Is this a story? <laughs> Do you remember, remember two or three years ago I introduced to you the, the book that uh, is called um, The Book That Changed Your World? Or the book, the book that created the Western world, do you remember that? By Vishal Megawati, remember that? John, you remember that? So you have to get that book and read that book. So one of the things that he talks about in that book is how the technology was invented by the church that the other cultures, the other religious cultures of the world don't have the theological premise to create technology. That technology is what has loosed the world, and it started in the monastery, and that's where watches and clocks and time was invented. That's where so many things were invented. It actually started in the monastery, but when the Reformation hit in 1511, it blew open to all of the people. And what it was, it was, it was, it was this revelation that came to them in the monastery that there's a difference between work and toil. There's a difference between work and toil. And so they had this, you know, they had this, they had this massive uh, uh, tension that they had to resolve in the monastery. The, the tension was that they felt called to pray, and they felt called to seek God, and they felt called to study and to write, but 
but they also needed to work. They needed provision. They needed work. And they knew that God was a worker, and they knew that it was his nature to work, and so was prayer actually work? And then they had needs. They had all these needs for supply, for food, and all that they needed. And so what they concluded in the monastery, they concluded that there was a difference between work and toil. There was a difference between work and toil. And, and, and let me give you this story. Uh, this is the story that, that comes from Vishel, and he writes this, and I think it's cool. Many, uh, many have been baffled, many have been baffled that in Uganda, at the source of the Nile River, there's an abundance of power and water, yet for hundreds, if not thousands of years, women and children have been packing water on their heads. When Vishal went there, he observed all of this, and he was from India, and he sees all this, and he's like trying to understand it, trying to understand it. This process uses up millions of hours in labor, and it also meant the people, because of this, were eating inadequately washed food, and this process was contributing to easily preventable diseases that then were draining the energy of the people. I'm talking to you about vision today. I'm talking to you about vision. I'm talking about expanding your vision and how God is into expanding vision and how God wants to bless you but also bless others through you by lifting off of them the hardship of toil and that there's a difference between work and toil. So bear with me. With great vision, born of imagination, a few people can supply more water to a million homes than a million people can supply by hauling it on their heads. The fact that this has gone on in so many places on the, on the globe for so long refutes the proverb, necessity is the mother of invention. You know what the mother of invention is? Vision within the heart of those who have a mind to know the goodness of God. That's the mother of invention. And if we would have read Romans chapter 1, that passage, you would have seen, that, and this is what's happened and happened in cultures throughout the world for hundreds and hundreds of years, is necessity was not causing invention to come forth. It's the presence of the Lord breathed upon those who will visioneer with the Holy Spirit who will bring forth invention. And part of what had to happen is that something had to be loosed off of the people to where they would see that God doesn't want his people to toil. Every person needs water, and if a family can't get enough water, hardship leads them to force their children to work take on an additional wife, even seek out slaves. This mindset is born of the dehumanizing work of Satan. 
Scholars from all over the world have discovered that technology came from biblical theology. The monks developed technology. They couldn't take wives to haul their water. They couldn't take wives or have children to grind their grain. But they knew God to be a worker. What was their solution? They found the Bible distinguished work from toil. To work was to be like God, but to toil was a curse upon human sin. Toil is mindless repetition, dehumanizing labor that does not include creative imagination. This godly distinction between work and toil enabled the monks to realize that humans should not need to do what wind, water, or horses could do. Creative reason, imagination, and vision could be used to liberate human beings from the curse of toil. Think about this. The gospel is good news. Even when Jesus declared today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, that he came to preach good news to the poor, think about the ramifications. The depth of the ramifications of this goes so deep into everything that actually we're experiencing today. The blessing of carpet on the floor, the blessing of fires that are lit and blown into our room to warm us. So many visions and dreams and amazing things have happened that have made our lives rich because somebody several hundred years ago figured out that God doesn't want us to toil and that it's okay to have visions and dreams that release us from toil and that move us into being able to care for encourage, strengthen, restore, make rich cultures and people and those around about us. You're living in a huge, massive fulfillment of Isaiah 61 right now. Freedom to worship. Blessings and abundance. We're living in it. God's inviting you right now. I'm going to ask the prayer team, I mean the worship team to come, invite you to stand. God's asking us right now, in this season, in this season, he's asking us to reach deeper into the realm of vision. Reach deeper into the realm of vision like a royal son or daughter. He even loves the way you think because he created your thinker. So he is releasing you to think without wondering, can I even think these thoughts? Is it okay that I think thoughts that are creative? Is it okay that I think thoughts that bring blessing? Yes. 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 Let's stand this morning.
What could you do without a budget? Maybe he's asking that of you today. What could you do without the budget based on what you can afford, but a budget based on what he can afford? Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches by Christ Jesus. I would venture to say there's a lot of stuff that we actually are enjoying today that at one point weren't even a need. Foam wasn't needed on any church chairs until somebody envisioned what if what you need is actually not tied to what you need, but what if it's tied to the glory you are meant to carry? What if what you need is not meant to be tied to what it is to barely get by, but what if what you need is actually meant to be attached to, ligamented to, drawn to the glory, the dignity, the honor, the esteem that Father wants to put on humans. Everything opposite of what Satan wants. Nobody needed combustion fuel until somebody thought of a combustion engine. We could list today easily a thousand things that today you consider a need that a people a generation before you had no need of whatsoever. There was no need for it until it was envisioned in the mind of somebody who tapped into the glory that belongs to the redeemed son and the redeemed daughter. See, when we tap into the glory that belongs to the redeemed son and the redeemed glory, then suddenly we have to separate what we think we need and we have to attach that realm over to the restoration that God intended and is working out, getting us back to the garden getting us back to Eden, getting us back to glory, getting us back to honor, getting us back to esteemed, esteemed. The saints in the earth, he says, they are my majestic ones. He's actually more, he's actually more concerned, more intentional, more desirous that you would carry his glory, walk in glory, be covered with glory, have a glorious life than you can even imagine, than you've even imagined. Let's pray as we get ready to leave this morning. I want you to just lift up your hands in that uh, fill me up expression. 
We want to turn our hearts heavenward right now. We just want to say, Lord, pour out. Pour out, pour out vision upon us. Provoke us. Provoke us in our royalty right now. Provoke us in our royalty. Awaken creativity. Draw us in with imagination. Loose and untether us from low thoughts, from mediocre thoughts, barely get by thoughts, self-absorbed thoughts. Loose us, loose us from it, loose us from it, loose us from it. Bring us into your realm of glory. Bring us into your realm. Bring us into your realm and your release of goodness. Oh, we welcome a transformed vision today. We welcome a transformed vision today. We welcome the breath of the Lord, the smile of the Lord upon the visioneering of the Spirit, the visioneering of creativity, the release of people from toil, the breakthrough, the fitting of glory and honor upon other humans, the dignifying of humans with the glory from above. Oh, let us be the redemptive ones who carry glory, who dispense glory, who cast, who cast glory on others, who put honor on others. Oh, we thank you for it. We release them from prison. We set them free. We loose them. We declare over them the good news of the gospel. We proclaim over them freedom, freedom and breakthrough. You use us, Lord. We raise up cities. We rebuild things that have been ruined. We're the ones that you use, Lord. We're your royals. We're your royals. Teach us what it is to be your royals, Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you for it. Yeah, get a download right now. Come on, just get a download right now. You're a royal, you're a royal, you're a royal, you're a royal. You're a royal one. Get the download from above.